Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to a Victory Monday podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host for this Let's Ride Monday, Wednesday, Friday show. I'm jacked up, but when you wake up on a Monday, and I'm recording this on Monday, and you beat the Ravens in Baltimore, it kind of makes you feel a little bit like this. Beautiful morning. I think I'll go outside for a while and just smile. That's right. It's a beautiful morning. I love that song. Oh, my gosh. Holy cow, folks. The Pittsburgh Steelers do it again. They win 28-24 over the Baltimore Ravens in Week 8, M&T Bank Stadium. I've always felt that's kind of like their house of horrors. I said this on our post-game show yesterday. If you follow the Pittsburgh Pirates, which, which sadly I do, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates can never win in Miller Park in Milwaukee. They, they just struggle there. Even when they were great with Andrew McCutcheon and all those great players, um, they could never win in Miller Park. I felt like I feel like M&T Bank Stadium is kind of that way for the Steelers. It's been their house of horrors before. But my gosh, they go in there and they find a way to win. They find a way to win. And, and the one thing that I can't get out of my head is how this team is so gritty. I mean, so gritty. Right when you think that it's done, that there's no way they're going to win, right when you think that you kind of get a feel for what this team is going to be like and how they're going to win games, oh my gosh, they find another way to pull out a victory and remain undefeated. To remain undefeated. Now, before we get into the details here and look at the numbers of the victory, I want to just stress how important this game was on so many levels. And we were right. Everyone on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com said the pressure is not on the Steelers in this game. Sure, they want to win. And sure, they want to come out of Baltimore with a with a win that's going to be a huge division win and all that. No one's suggesting that that's not the case. This has so many layers to it. Think about this. Steelers win, Ravens lose, okay? So now all of a sudden the Steelers, they're going to play them again on Thanksgiving. We know this. They have that head-to-head matchup, and they have a 7-0 and record. Well, that bumps the Ravens down to 5-2. and two. They have a two-game lead in the division. That is huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. But wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. I also look at the fact that the Cleveland Browns lose, I believe it was 16-6 to to the Las Vegas Raiders in Cleveland, and now all of a sudden they're 5-3. and three. Even more distance between them and the Steelers, and the Steelers have the head-to-head win there. But wait, there's more. The Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati upset the Tennessee Titans. The Titans have all of a sudden went from 5-0, and oh, lost two in a row. They're 5-2. and two. And you're looking at now a two-horse race, really, in the AFC for that top spot. The Steelers at 7-0 and and the Kansas City Chiefs at 6-1. and And the Steelers will not play the Chiefs this year. We know that, that, that the, they won their division last year. They played the Ravens already. They beat the Ravens in, at M&T Bank already this season. But the Steelers have set themselves up not just to secure a playoff spot, 
but to go after a buy. Now, let's keep in mind, folks, this is an expanded playoff roster, or expanded playoff format, I should say, this year. So, in other words, they are not going to be giving away two buys like they always do. And I, I understand if there are some fans out there that maybe weren't paying attention in the offseason. I don't know how you didn't, weren't paying attention to that, to be honest with you. But still, um, the, the Steelers... They're looking good. They're looking good from a playoff perspective. They're looking good from a division perspective. At this point, now they they get set up for games that are very favorable for them. The the Steelers weren't the expert picks. We'll put it that way. They weren't the expert pick to win this game on Sunday. And it was the first time this season that the majority of experts were actually leaning the other way, thinking that Baltimore was going to be the victors. And now their next three games, they should be I would say heavily favored. They go to Dallas. They come back home to Heinz Field for a game against Joe Burrow and the Bengals, the first time they've met them this season. And then they go on the road again to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those three games, we're going to talk about that a lot in the coming weeks, both on this show and on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. But holy cow, folks, what a stretch the Steelers just went through. I mean, I still can't wrap my head around it when you think about they beat the Browns handily at Heinz Field. Then they go on the road and beat the undefeated Titans. And then they go into Baltimore win. There were people saying if they win one of those three, they would be okay. Then if they win two of those three, that'd be great. They win all three, folks. Holy cow. Man, at 7-0, and oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful morning. Yeah, that is right. I've... <laughs> so I... Those that follow me and on social media and different platforms, especially on Instagram, know that I'm I'm a gym guy. I'm a gym rat. I'm a personal trainer. Um, obviously, I do a lot of that online, and I train myself. I, I'm very diligent with my training. We'll put it that way. I go to the gym really early, especially on Monday mornings. I'm there by 5 a.m. And my buddy, he's a season ticket holder for the Baltimore Ravens. He comes walking in the gym this morning, and I start clapping, say, "Hey." hey Lamar, what's up, Lamar? And of course, he flips me off. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I was going. I, I went up and talked to him, and I, I can be, I can be cordial. And I let down my guard a little bit, and we talked about some football. But just listen, listen to this, okay? Just listen to these numbers. So, if I were to wake you up from a coma, all right, you're in a coma. It was a 24-hour coma. You went to the coma on Sunday morning. And here we are Monday morning, and you missed the week eight game against the, the Baltimore Ravens. And you're like, oh, Jeff, what? Tell me what happened. I was like, well, listen to, the, listen to these numbers. The Steelers gave up 263 yards rushing. Time of possession. The Ravens had 35 minutes and 22 seconds time of possession. To the Steelers, 24 minutes and 38 seconds. In terms of first downs, the Baltimore Ravens had 25 to the Steelers, nine. Total plays, the, the Ravens ran 79 plays to the Steelers, 50. In terms of total yards, the Ravens had 457 total yards to the Steelers, 221. Lamar Jackson threw for 208 yards, only his third time throwing for over 200 this season. Ben Roethlisberger only threw for 182. If I were to say, you just woke up from your coma, you're, you're fine now, you think they won the game? Anyone with a brain between their ears would say, there's no way they won that football game. There's no way they won that football game. Yet here we are. What are the areas that the Steelers did win? Number one, paramount, obviously, turnovers. They forced four turnovers off of Lamar Jackson, one of them being 
a pick six by Robert Spilly Spillane early in the first quarter. So here you are, four turnovers. Again, one of those led to a touchdown. That's important. Four turnovers. The Steelers only turned it over one. That was Chase Claypool's fumble. But then there was another caveat that I didn't mention on our post our post game podcast. I didn't. Or I, let me say, put it this way. I didn't put enough onus on this, in my opinion. The other area where the Steelers got very fortunate, and I would say, if you want to look at a dominant stat, the Ravens were penalized nine times for one hundred and ten yards. They had nine calls against him for 110 yards. The Steelers had three flags for 30 yards. That's accepted penalties, by the way. That's accepted penalties. So negated penalties, declined penalties, those don't add into this equation. So for me, I was like, holy cow. They had no business winning this football game. They didn't. They really didn't. And that's what my buddy at the gym said. He said, you can thank the refs and Lamar Jackson. Well, you can say whatever you want about the officiating. I thought there were bad calls on both sides of the docket. I will thank Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson, yikes. Ravens fans are concerned, and I think they should be concerned because you saw Lamar Jackson, in a, in, again, in a big game, fall flat on his face. Ravens fans love to say, oh, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game so like to, since like 2016. Neither have the Ravens. <laughs> they, were, they were the top seed last year, and they didn't even win a game. They lost to the Titans at home. They had a bye. They lost. Year before that, same thing. They lost to the Chargers. So listen, the Steelers had no business winning this football game. And if you're an honest football fan, look, I, I root for the Steelers. I'm, I'm just as big a fan as you are listening to this show. But the reality of the situation is they had no business winning. Did they win? Yes. And that brings me to my next point. This team has the grit of a champion. And I say champion, not about the AFC North, not about the AFC. I'm talking about a Super Bowl championship caliber team. Because they always are finding a way to win. Every single week, it's something else. Think about, you know, they've had one really dominant performance. That was against Cleveland in week six at home, 38-7 to victory. And they dominated from start to finish. And that game was, I said it before, that game was over when Minka Fitzpatrick picked off Baker Mayfield on the on the uh, Browns opening drive and just, it was done. They've kind of won in a shootout. Think back to Philadelphia, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia in week five, where you back and forth affair, the defense isn't making any stops. The Steelers had to make, well, Chase Claypool took over that game. And they had to win that way. They've won it on defense. They've won it on defense. You think about week one, you know, Cam Hayward has that key, awkward interception of Daniel Jones. Um, TJ Watt had an interception in that game. The offense was kind of lackluster, but the defense found a way to make enough plays. The Steelers have come from behind before. They were down at halftime against the Houston Texans in week three and had to come back and win, but not like this. Not like this. They were down 10 points in this game, and scored zero offensive points in the first half. They're down 10. They haven't scored a single point on offense in that first half. And what do they do? They come back. They 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 shut out the Ravens in the third quarter, and then obviously we know how it ends up. They score 21 points in the second half. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a knack of just finding a way to win. But this was another box checked on a, in a lot of ways for me. 
They come from behind. They're down double digits, two scores, boom, they can do that against a really good defense. I said this a ton during my po- the post-game podcast yesterday. If you haven't listened to that, by the way, go check it out. Two parts worth every second. I guarantee it. It's funny. It's, a, it's entertaining. Myself, Brian Anthony Davis, and Dave Schofield, go check that out. But they have come from behind 10 points down. You check that box. Okay, they can do that. But here's another thing. Ben Roethlisberger proved that he can almost put a team on his back and we can get it done if he has to. And he proved that the first half was ugly and the second half. It almost seemed like, and maybe I I think this was very, uh, I think the timing was perfect. We'll put it that way. The timing was perfect. It's almost like Ben went over and took Randy Feener's play sheet and ripped it up and said, I got it. I got it from here. We're going five wide empty sets. I'm slinging the ball. It's the only way we're going to move it. It's the only way we're going to win the game. And that's exactly what they did. There weren't huge offensive statistics from anyone. Not James Conner running the ball, not Ben throwing the ball, not no, no receiver. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game. We'll talk about that in our second segment with winners and losers. But still, my gosh, this Steelers team just always finds a way to win. And there are some fans, you get the feeling that, there are fans out there that are kind of still waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I get it. I get it. But the one thing that you cannot discount from this team is that they are just, it's just so awesome to see a group that just understands what it takes and is able to make the plays when necessary. If you think back to 2019, you kind of got this feeling from this team, especially on defense, but the problem was is there was no offense to counteract the defense. In other words, the defense would provide the sparks. They would provide the plays, and sometimes it just never, ever amounted to anything. Think back to the Week 3 game in San Francisco last year when the first quarter, I feel like, or first half, they had three turnovers, some of them in the red zone, and they had to kick field goals. This year with Roethlisberger under center, those turnovers are turning into touchdowns. None was bigger, in my opinion. The Spillane pick six was huge, but it was the high. It was the Alex Highsmith interception. That was the interception that turned into an Eric Ebron touchdown, I believe, that really turned the tide. That was the play. That was it. And it was the Steelers that cashed in on it. So kudos to Ben, kudos to uh, Ebron. Absolutely great performance. No one saw it coming. And if they would have lost this game, I don't think fans would have been really down on the team. But they didn't. They found a way to win. This is a gritty team. This is a gritty team. And and teams like this are built for adversity, and they're built to have long runs in the postseason. It's hard to believe that they're 7-0. and I mean, one more win, and Mike Tomlin secures he secures his another non-losing season. That's incredible to think about. They've got high, they've got much loftier expectations and aspirations as do the fan base. Look, when we'll be right back, I'm going to go over my winners and losers and do a little mailbag. Went on Twitter, asked for some questions. We got some. We'll answer those right after this break.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Jeff Hartman back here for the second half of this Monday. Let's ride to victory Monday. That's a great thing. Boy, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? As we always do on Mondays, we go over our winners and losers. This is an article that I write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I talk about players that do well, players that don't do that well. It's my winners and losers column. If you want to check it out in written word, you can go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. This will publish. This will already be published by the time this podcast published. So make sure you go check that out. And BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. A great website. The team of writers that we've put together are second to none. We've got unbelievable film breakdowns. We've got commentary. Obviously, our podcasts show up there as well. Make sure you check it out. And obviously, wherever you listen to your podcast, follow the show. Follow the platform, not just Let's Ride. If you are someone that's like, I can't wait till Monday, Wednesday, Friday to listen to Jeff, that's great. I thank you so much because the fact that some people want to take their time and spend 30 minutes with me talking to them about the Pittsburgh Steelers still kind of boggles my mind. But nonetheless, there's a lot of other good content. The live mic, the Steelers Stat Geek on Thursday, and then we have all of our afternoon shows. Make sure you check out all this so you don't miss a thing. Anywhere you get your podcasts, follow us. Search Steelers behind the Steel Curtain so that you don't miss a thing. Winners and losers, let's get right to it, shall we? I've cut, I came up with 10 winners for this week's article and two losers after this game. And when you think about how poorly the Steelers played at times, you think there would be more losers, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't think about it. Let's, let's go with the winners. Top winner, Mr. Robert Spilly Spillane. Listen to this stat line, 11 tackles, 10 solo, one tackle for loss, two pass defenses. He had an interception and scored a touchdown. I thought that Robert Spillane really made a name for himself last week when he trucked Derrick Henry, stopping him dead in his tracks in Tennessee last week. But the lore continues after the pick six of Lamar Jackson. A lot of people are asking questions about Spillane's usage now that the Steelers have uh, reportedly acquired Avery uh, Williamson from the New York Jets. We'll talk about that later in the program. But Robert Spillane has made an impact on this defense every single time he's gotten an opportunity. He played well. He looks like he is a really intelligent player. He's hard-nosed, a downhill type player. He's not afraid of contact. We saw that multiple times. Huge game from Robert Spillane. He was also the one that recovered the fumble on that fourth down play where um, Lamar Jackson was stopped short of the line to gain. Minka Fitzpatrick caused the fumble, and Spillane recovered it. So keep that in mind. That's a that's a Fumble recovery for Spillane. Now, another winner, Ben Roethlisberger, finishes with a 21, thir- 21 of 32, 182 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked twice, 101.3 rating. Look, Roethlisberger's stat line is not impressive in terms of yardage, but what Roethlisberger was able to do against that defense and that secondary cannot be understated. Cannot be understated. It was... It was rough going and rough sledding in the early portions. I don't think that the play calling helped him. I don't think the Chase Claypool's fumble helped him either early in that game. You think about the drop by Eric Ebron as well. They just never could get into a rhythm. And then finally in the second half, it was Roethlisberger that, like I said earlier, took the team on his back and said, we're going to do this by throwing the ball. And that's what they had to do. And they made enough plays to win. And they turned turnovers into points. That's also huge. When you can turn turnovers into touchdowns, points off of turnovers, pot. No, not that kind of pot. P-O-T, points off turnovers, is a huge statistic. And the Steelers have done a really good job with that so far this season. 
Next winner, Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven catches, 67 yards on eight targets. Uh, this this season has not been easy for, for Juju at all. I, I got to think it's tough to sit there and, and you're watching, whether it's Chase Claypool against Philly, put up four touchdowns, Deontay Johnson against Tennessee, scoring two times. And, you know, Juju had his touchdowns early in the season, but it, you got to you have to think that this is tough for him. He's in a contract year. He's not getting the targets that he would want. Last two weeks have been better. I'm going to say that. He is showing a lot of character this season on and off the field, meaning you don't see him throwing Gatorade jugs. You don't see animated conversations or him yelling at Roethlisberger or Feetner on the sideline. You don't see him pouting on social media. You don't, you don't see him doing anything but celebrating victories and celebrating successes of his teammates all across the board. Juju Smith-Schuster is a team first guy and he is he's definitely carved out a new role within the offense. It's it's a tough role too. He's getting those passes across the middle. Those are big hits coming. He knows they're coming. It's the dirty job of, of you know going over the middle, but Juju Smith-Schuster had some huge third down conversions in this game in week 8. That's why he finds his way on the winner's list. Eric Ebron, next winner. Stat line, four catches for 48 yards, had one touchdown on five targets. I felt like this was Eric Ebron's kind of coming out party with the Steelers. Yeah, he scored touchdowns before, and yeah, he's had games where he caught some passes, but this was the first time that I felt like they used him a lot and they actually showcased him in some way, shape, or form, meaning they they saw a mismatch and they were able to go to him often. He only had four catches, but 48 yards. One of those was the big touchdown. Eric Ebron is a mismatch nightmare, in my opinion. And the Steelers would be very, very wise to start utilizing him in that capacity. The Steelers' offense can be so dynamic if they can get Ebron going. And I think that this is a sign of things to come. Eric Ebron could be just what the doctor ordered for this passing attack to really unfold and be as dynamic and as versatile as possible. I thought he had a great game underrated blocker. By the way, when he came in, I, I said it, everyone else said it. Ebron's not a blocker. Don't worry about Ebron. He's not going to be blocking anybody. He's done a good job in the run game. Good job in the run game. Very pleasantly surprised there. Next winner, Stefan to it. I did an entire podcast dedicated to him in the off season, talking about how Stefan to it is the guy that's going to make fans say, Javon Hart, who Javon Hargrave? Who's that? I don't even remember that guy. I said, that's going to be Stefan to that does that. And Stefan to when he's healthy is a monster is a monster. Listen to this stat line. He had nine tackles, eight solo, two sacks, three tackles for loss and three quarterback hits. Stefan to was all over the field, living in the backfield. And it was him that was pushing the defense, the offensive interior right into Lamar Jackson's lap. Stefan Tude had a great game, and in a game where the Steelers lost Tyson Alualu due to injury early in the first quarter, it was Tuit that picked up the slack. It was Tuit that said, that's all right. We're going to be fine. We're going to grind this thing out. I'm going to dominate, and that's exactly what he did. Stefan Tuit, a huge winning performance for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Next, TJ Watt, stat line, five tackles, three solo, one sack, five quarterback hits. Let me say this. First and foremost, Derek or to Derek, TJ Watt could find his way on this list every single week if I wanted. And pretty much he is on this list every single week because I want to. But also, defending Lamar Jackson 
is not easy. Let me put that out there right now. Because some people might say only, he only had one sack. Sacking Lamar Jackson is not easy, especially for an edge rusher, because Lamar Jackson is a guy that's going to manipulate the pocket well. He's going to find the open space, and he's going to be able to throw it or run it when he needs to. TJ Watt was in Lamar Jackson's lap all game. He, he plays that RPO style probably better than anyone else in the National Football League. He was tremendous in this game. A lot of people were bringing up the heated conversation between Watt and Butler on the sideline. I wouldn't think anything about it because Watt's a fiery competitor. And he said, you know what? He might see something that Butler doesn't and they're having a discussion. It can get heated at times. I guarantee you there's no issues in that locker room between Watt and Butler. But Watt's the captain of that defense. He and Hayward, and he led by example in week eight. Next winner, Alex Highsmith. He only had two tackles. He had one pass defense, but I mentioned that interception was huge. In this game, the Steelers ran a unique defense that they really haven't run a lot of, but they they ran it a lot, and that was they had Highsmith on the field, Watt and Dupree all on the field at the same time. This was the highest snap total game for Alex Highsmith in his young NFL career, and he made the best of it. That interception was unbelievably big. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. It completely changed the outlook and the momentum in that game. The Steelers end up scoring a touchdown on that drive after all coming off that turnover. That was a play, in my opinion, that won the game. Kudos to Alex Highsmith. Next, Minka Fitzpatrick. He finishes with seven tackles, four solo, one pass defense, and one forced fumble. I mentioned the forced fumble, obviously, on he was the, that was a hit on Lamar Jackson, which was delivered by Minka Fitzpatrick that forced that fumble on fourth down. But you know, there's a lot of people, myself included, that have been critical of Minka Fitzpatrick so far this season. We just expect more from him. I, I guess maybe 2019 we got a little bit silly in regards to how great he actually played and the game-breaking plays that he was making, pick sixes, fumble recoveries, return for touchdowns. Well, he might not be making all of the... Yeah, he did that against Cleveland. He might not be making all those plays, but he is still making plays. None bigger than the pass breakup on the pass that was intended for Willie Sneed from Lamar Jackson at the very end of the game, the final play of the game. It was Fitzpatrick. Justin Lane kind of got Sneed from underneath. Fitzpatrick was right there. I feel like if Justin Lane doesn't take out Willie Sneed's legs and, and in doing so take out Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick might pick, might pick that pass off. It was a tremendous play, read the quarterback, knew exactly what his responsibilities were, and he made the play. Minka Fitzpatrick had a, is, is improving, tackled better this game. He, he deserves his spot on the winner's list. Next, Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Mike Tomlin, head coach. He gets on the winner's list for one main reason. He's the winningest minority coach in NFL history. That's right. With his win, not only does it do the Steelers go to seven and zero, not only are they one win away of yet another non losing season. Not that that matters when you start out seven and zero. not only is he potentially going to threaten some major in terms of, you know, wins and total wins in team history, some of those records, but he became the winningest minority head coach in the in the NFL history, NFL history. Now, granted, there hasn't been a lot, unfortunately, but he broke a tie with Tony Dungy to make him the leader in that category, the winningest minority coach in NFL history. Kudos to Mike Tomlin. He is a great coach. He does have his issues. 
but so do all head coaches. Tell me a coach that doesn't have issues, and I'll probably tell you that you're a liar. Everyone says, well, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick? Really? Anyone see the Patriots this year without Tom Brady? They're two and five. Two and five. Let's not forget what Mike Tomlin did last season in 2019 without Ben Roethlisberger. But I digress. Let's go to the next winner. Winning the turnover battle is my 10th and final winner here. They've four Baltimore turnovers to Pittsburgh's one. That is what's crazy about this game. That was the ultimate stat that led to the Steelers win. If the Ravens only turn the ball over two times, because you think about that fumble by Lamar Jackson on fourth down, he wasn't he wasn't at the yard to gain anyway, so they would have had a turnover there anyways uh, in terms of turnover on downs. If they only turn it over two times, the Ravens win that football game, but they don't. They turn it over four times, and there you have it. Let's go to the losers. Okay, the losers, because you might be sitting here thinking, okay, Jeff, that's all great. Those guys play great. They deserve the recognition, but who are your losers? Well, first is a run defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers run defense, which was considered oh, the, the great Steelers run defense. They're so good. They gave up 263 yards rushing. I'll say that again. They gave up 263 yards rushing. On the postgame podcast, uh, we grade out different areas of the team. We grade out quarterbacks, receivers, rushing. On defense, we do the run defense and then the pass rush and, and et cetera. I said, what are you guys grading the run defense? And uh, I think Dave Schofield gave him a C and Brian Davis gave him a B because he thought that, you know, ultimately they made stops when they had to. I gave him a D minus because I know that they made some stops when they had to, but holy cow, you got gashed for 263 yards. Come on now. Come on now. This is not some NFC team that you never face except once every four years. And you were just completely shell shocked by this approach. This is a division rival and they ran up and down your back. Kind of embarrassing. Kind of embarrassing when you think about it. And the last loser is the first half offense. The Pittsburgh Steelers did not score a first half point. Sounded like a robot there. Did it on purpose. The Steelers did not score a point in the first half. I don't know what Randy Feetner was thinking or trying to do coming out of the gates. It was awful. It looked lethargic. It looked out of sync. There was no rhythm. I'm not sure why it took them so long to go a little with a little bit of a hurry up offense. Nothing worked. They got saved by turnovers and some second half points. Ultimately, though, that is a losing effort, in my opinion, scoring zero first half offensive points. All right. I promise you some mailbag questions. Let's get to those quickly. Uh, I might be doing this more and more. So if you're listening and you follow me on Twitter, that's at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me. And when I put out the question, hey, I want some questions for the mailbag, you can fire away. All right. So SC Hokies and Steelers says, do you think the trade for Avery Williamson means that UG3 is done for the year? It might be because... You, Ulysses Gilbert III, who he's mentioning, his back just, it, I don't know what's wrong with his back. Last year, they, they said it was spasms at first, and then it, they put him on injured reserve. I'm not sure if it was the same injury. It's concerning. It really is concerning. I'm not sure how Avery Williamson is going to fit just yet. I, I don't know a ton about him. I'm going to be completely honest with you, okay? This trade happened right as I was going to bed last night. Some of you probably didn't even know it happened and woke up on Monday and said, oh, what, the Steelers made a trade? Yeah, they did. So... This a this Avery Williamson trade, 
I, I don't know what it means for UG three. We'll see what they do. If they, if they put him on injured reserve and he slides onto the role, that's then that's obvious, but I'm not sure. Uh, SC Hokies and Steelers also says one more to Vance even see the field yesterday. And why in the world was Samuels ever lined up at receiver? I think Vance did play. I don't think he played a lot. They wanted to use Ebron a lot more, especially when they go five wides. You don't want Vance McDonald out there. You want Ebron out there and Samuels. People forget Matt Canada, who has his fingerprints all over this offense. He actually loves Jalen Samuels. He coached him at NC state. He absolutely wants him out there as an H back. That's what they're trying to do. Did it work? No, we'll see. Okay. Thomas, uh, I think it's Peltier, maybe. He said, do you believe that Juju is Ben's number one wide receiver? Seems to be who he trusts the most right now. I don't know if the Steelers actually have a number one wide receiver. Because when you think about it, he'll Ben will Ben will trust whoever's open. You know, he trusted Claypool on a couple third downs. He trusts Juju. We know that. Um, he'll trust Deontay Johnson. Eric, he, he will throw it to whomever is open. He'll throw it to the mismatch that he likes. That's what he does. You know, if he sees single coverage, he threw he threw a deep ball to James Washington, didn't connect, but he'll trust whoever's open. I think that Juju is the team's number one wide receiver, but ultimately I don't think that it's a situation where Ben is, you know, think back to Antonio Brown's days where he was forcing the ball to one specific guy. I don't think that's the case at all. You know what it is, 7-0, says thoughts on Harbaugh complaining about calls after the game. I honestly think it's pathetic. No wonder Lamar gets super weak roughing calls. Look, Harbaugh, if you follow, as we call him on the Steelers preview, Wang Harbaugh, if you follow John Harbaugh, he complains about everything. He is a whiner to the umpteenth degree. I used to think that Bill Belich, or Bill Brian Billick, I'm sorry, Brian Billick was bad. No. He's nothing compared to Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a whiny baby. He always will be. He never wants to take ownership for his team falling flat on their face in key moments. That's not my problem. He is complaining. He can complain all he wants. Doesn't matter. Steelers win. Uh, Friar Fritz says, too early to tell, but do you think if Williamson does well that he'll be re-signed? Again, the Steelers would have to really figure out their finances and they'd have to figure out what the finances of the league are going to be. Because when you think about the Steelers being up to the salary cap, what does that look like How in terms of cap space? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's see how this guy plays. Hopefully he's a good contributor, can kind of mask the loss of Devin Bush and, and help be a spark for this defense to stop the run better maybe, and then also go on to win a championship. That's what we all want. And uh, that's it. Man, that was the last question. So I appreciate all those people. That was that I didn't give them a lot of time to really get their questions in. I I put it out there this morning. I got home from the gym. I was like, yeah, I'll throw it out there. See if anyone wants to do it. But it was a great way to finish the show. It's a victory Monday. Oh my gosh, that feels so good. I cannot believe they're seven to no. I'm sure you're sitting there. You're the same way. You're just sitting there like, I can't believe the Steelers are seven to no. Last time they did it, 1978. No Steelers team has ever finished eight and no. So the, it has started eight now. I'm sorry. So if they beat the Dallas Cowboys in week nine down in Dallas, the Steelers are making history. The Steelers are making history. And leading up to that game, make sure you stay with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for everything Steelers. And wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, uh, Spotify. I'm a Spotify guy. Um, follow us. Subscribe. Give us a good comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and, and obviously give us a good rating. We appreciate all the love that you have given us so far. Holy cow! Seven and zero doesn't feel. It doesn't get much better. It doesn't get any better than this right now. 
So enjoy it. Enjoy the, the great Monday and the great content coming your way. And as always, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Here we go, Steelers. 7-0. That's right. We'll see you on Wednesday.